A pretty alarming study was released last week that says 50% of Americans are unsure they'll ever recover from the stress of living through the pandemic. And we know when our nervous system is activated in the face of a threat, the first place we're going to go to is a fight-or-flight response. When you dig further into the numbers, there is a whole lot of flight going on. 35% of people say that they need a 10-day luxury vacation to get away in distress, while another one in three Americans say they want to quit their job before they ever go back to the five-day work week. It's actually created a trend that many economists are calling the Great Resignation, where we're seeing the highest number of employees resigning in the last 20 years. Now, I am all for leaving a soul-sucking job, a toxic work environment, or a misaligned career if you have a plan and vision for where you want to go. But you can change the external environment. You could leave the country on vacation. You can leave your employer. If you don't have a strategy to address and ask for your needs, well, you're going to find yourself repeating the same patterns at the next destination. This week on the Life Amplified podcast, I'll give you a very simple three-part framework that will help you address the return to work with your employer. And guess what? These communication strategies will help you in any relationship in your life. Welcome back. What is an amplified life? It's having amplified relationships with people who support and encourage you to be your best. It's having amplified energy to conquer the challenges of the day. And it's having an amplified career, one that's meaningful to you, the world, and your bank account. I'm Dan Mason, Life Reinvention Coach, helping you discover your calling and create an amplified life on your terms. This is the Life Amplified Podcast. I think this is a really important topic for us to cover this week because a lot of times the communication issues that we run into at work can mirror what we experience in our personal relationships. And boy, pandemic stress has had a major impact on our personal relationships. Seven out of 10 Americans say they get upset or frustrated with someone in their household for no reason at least once a week. By the way, that's a convenient story. Uh, you give me 30 minutes in a coaching session, I will definitely help you understand why you're getting upset anytime you're in an emotional trigger. There is a blind spot. There is some trauma that has been unaddressed. We talked a little bit about blind spots a couple of weeks ago. But I want you to take a, a moment and just reflect on some of the frustrations that you've had in your career over the course of the lockdown. Do you feel like people expect too much from you? Do you feel like your boss or your coworkers? don't really respect your personal time enough? Do you feel unable to speak up and set a boundary or that you have to collapse on your boundaries in order to still be liked or be valued or to stay gainfully employed? Really take inventory of what have been your stories. And then I want you to consider how many of those themes are showing up in other relationships in your life. 
Does it show up with your spouse? Does it show up with your parents or your extended family? Does it show up in friendships? And you're probably going to realize what we talk about on this podcast all the time, that how we do one thing is how we do all things. Now, for purposes of this conversation today, I want to give you a structure and framework in which you can talk to your employer about the return to work, because I know many people are anxious right now about uh, you know the return to normal being a return to the hustle and grind. But what I'm going to share with you this week will work in any aspect of your life, because the biggest trap that we fall into is a lot of times we talk about the stress that we're experiencing, but we don't really talk about the factors that are stressing us. And many times, it's just that we don't even know. You know, one of the things we know through polyvagal theory and the work of Dr. Stephen Porges, he talks about this idea of neuroception, that there is a stimulus in the environment, there is something that causes a trigger, and we go into an automatic response that we don't even have to think about because there is something that is triggering us on the subconscious level. Now, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Dr. Don Wood. It can be as simple in relationships as a facial expression, as a tone of voice uh, that activates something that was you know, familiar enough to our childhood trauma that we just automatically go into the response. It's the same as going into the doctor and getting your yearly physical. If they hit your knee with that rubber mallet, do you have to think about, oh, should I kick my leg up right now? No, it just happens automatically. And that is so many of the stress responses that we experience. We've rehearsed this over time. That trigger is so ingrained in the neural pathways as being a threat that we find ourselves flying off the handle. We get stressed. We feel hurt. uh, We feel disrespected. And many times we're not even sure why it's happening over and over and over. Then what happens? We go into blame. You know, we start talking about surface level stories without really understanding the underlying factors that are causing us the pain. And as we talk about how do you approach this with an employer in the return to work, the last thing that you want to do is walk into your boss's office and just emotionally vomit your list of grievances without really being clear on what is the outcome that you want. What are the things that are going to help you feel safer? What are the things that are going to help you feel more supported? And many times we just sort of go into these meetings at work and we talk about all the stress that we're having and we expect the company or the employer to do something to alleviate the situation for us. We can do this in our romantic relationships and family relationships too, But I want you to think about this in terms of just the context of your company. You are responsible for you. You are sort of a party of one trying to get your needs met. For many employers, the challenge is, and I do have empathy for this, is that many bosses might have staffs of 25, 100, 10,000 people. A group of people that are at different places in their life with different trauma responses, with different stressors. And they can't possibly attend to everybody 
at an individual level. There's not enough bandwidth for them to sit and come up with like an individualized plan for each person. So the best thing that you can do is walk in and give them some instructions to the bathroom. Really know what your specific concern is. Be able to articulate how it's affecting you but also know what is the thing that you're asking for. You know, when I was perpetually stressed out and unhappy, sort of bouncing from job to job over the last four years of my career, I didn't really know what it was that was stressing me out in the first place. I knew I wasn't fulfilled. I knew that I didn't feel creatively expressed. I knew I felt like there were some situations where I was being really micromanaged, but I didn't know how to ask for what it is that I wanted. And even if I did, there was no guarantee that the company could meet me there. One of the things that I noticed happened in corporate America a lot is, you know, I would complain or I would get to the end of a contract and not be happy. And they'd just be like, well, Dan, here's some more money. (laughs) Which, you know, made me feel really valued, by the way. And if you're a person who's allowed yourself to be trapped by those golden handcuffs in your career, get curious about whether you grew up in a family where money was used in place of love. You know, that was a big theme in my family. My family didn't want to talk about emotional issues, but they would just throw, like, money at problems. You know, when I was really struggling in my relationship with my mother growing up as a teenager, and there was a lot of, like, physical abuse happening to me in the house... My mom didn't know how to apologize, so she'd be like, well, here's $50, Daniel. Go to the mall. Go buy yourself some new CDs. Back in the days when we actually listened to CDs. That's a thing that comes up for many of my high-performing clients, right? They're unhappy, but the company doesn't want to lose them. They don't want to have to invest the hours and the money on onboarding and finding and and recruiting a replacement. So they just give you like a 5% pay raise and hope that you shut your mouth And it makes you feel good in the short term, but it's not getting you to where you need to be. So the first step is we talk about how do you get your needs met and address your return to work concerns with your employer is you need to actually know your true needs. There are two strategies that I could give you today to help you with this, to go within and really get clear about how am I feeling and what do I want, right? The first is a lot of times we get clarity through contrast. We can find clarity about what we really need if we focus on our complaints. If you're a person who felt like if your company went through some downsizing and they were putting more work on you and you found yourself working an extra 10 hours a week for free and that's a complaint, then what is the thing that you want? Do you actually want a pay raise to be compensated for that work? Or would you rather get that 10 hours of your life back per week? Are you asking for them to maybe do some rehiring or to get you some more support so that you're not having to perpetually go the extra mile? You know, the extra mile is is great in the short term until you burn out. So we want to know what that boundary is for you. If your complaint is about one direct supervisor that you just that you don't mix well with, that you're just like oil and water, 
Is there an opportunity through that complaint to be asked to reassign to a different team? That's a policy that they put in place at Amazon, actually, where people can request to be moved to a different department or a different team just because it avoids, you know, conflict and a toxic situation with a direct supervisor. So you can really start looking at your life at a 360-degree level by coming up with your inventory of complaints in your career, in your finances, in your health, in your relationships. And remember that complaints are just an unmet need turned upside down. So if we take that complaint and we reverse it, what is the thing that you're really asking for? Another great place, if you find yourself being a person who deals with a lot of anxiety or a lot of anger, a second strategy that you could employ, which we've talked about on this podcast before, and I don't think we've done it in well over two years, so it's probably a good refresher. Marianne Williamson uh, calls this Aphrodite time with her female clients. I used to have teachers that called it goddess hour. Really helpful for feminine energy people who have to be in a masculine role at work to be able to come home to their core energy at the end of the day. But fellas, we can use this too. You know, we don't have to call it goddess hour. can be macho badass alpha hour if you want. (laughs) There's an opportunity to sit there uh, in silence, and you can do this uh, on a meditation pillow, you can do it on your yoga mat, you can do this outdoors in nature, if bubble baths are your thing, whatever, just find an environment that relaxes you, and you really want to spend some time in contemplation asking yourself two questions. Number one, how am I feeling? And you'll notice that most people jump to what they're thinking, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I think uh, this reentry is all screwed up. I think the political system is this. I think my employer is that. I think my partner's a jerk. No, how are you feeling? And really allow yourself to feel the feeling fully. We know through neuroscience, if you can just sit with any emotion, even the really unpleasant ones, for two minutes, then it just washes right through you. The chemical release of the emotion dissipates, and you can get back to a stage of homeostasis. So, you know, what is that for you? Well, I'm feeling really tired. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling afraid. And then the second question that you want to ask yourself is, what do I need? That might be a little bit harder for some of you. And this is where doing your trauma work and having a coach or a therapist to help you really go within and figure out yourself and how you're wired is so important because many people skip over this part. (laughs) And when I use this method in my coaching practice, many of my clients will be resistant because they grew up in a home where they were taught that it's selfish to have needs that really the uh, the good thing to do is to take care of everybody else. And in many times they were shamed or told that they were even wrong for having needs. So this can be very uncomfortable, but guess what, sunshine? You're not going to move into a new way of life unless you're doing some things that are uncomfortable for you. Remember, if if everything in your life feels comfortable, you're not growing much. So use that practice and ask yourself, how do I feel What do I need? Or for those of you who are a little bit more mental about it, uh, you can certainly do your uh, inventory of complaints. But what we want to do is make sure we're getting to the solution. 
getting through to the desire and what it is that you want to ask for. And as we talk about whether this be having a conversation with your employer or your partner, you might realize that you have a list of about 10 to 12 needs at the end of this. If you're a person who's been really good at neglecting yourself and what you need to feel safe, uh, you're going to find that this list turns out to be way longer than you thought. But I would really urge you to prioritize what are the top three, you know, and, and if you had to narrow that down even more, what are the top two that if you just got to these two outcomes, everything else in your life would happen easier? Because we know, you know, it can be really overwhelming for the person who's on the receiving end that you're asking for something from. If you're going in with like literally an encyclopedia or reading the Old Testament full of demands, it's good for you to know what are the outcomes that are going to be most impactful for me. And that will move us on to the second step here in this framework about how do you talk about your return to work stress. You have to remember, it's not all about you, boo. You have to also be clear what's in it for your employer. You know, in many instances, you're making a, a, a good salary, you're making a good living, but they're not paying you specifically for the time. They're paying you for the value that you bring to the time. So you need to be really prepared when you go into these meetings to, to help your boss understand how the changes that you're proposing. If you're somebody who only wants to be in the office two days a week moving forward, right? You need to help your boss understand how that's going to provide more value for them. And it would be really helpful if you had some evidence, you know, maybe even from the last 16 months. What are the ways that you've really crushed it or you've shown up better by being able to work from home? Where are the places that your life has improved? Maybe you're a person who might have actually excelled and, and become closer with your kids or your partner by being at home more often, and that's led to better overall happiness and more productivity at work. Be ready to explain that. You know, how that undistracted time away from the office, it's going to help you do more uh, a flow state, deep work, or how will less commute time help you get out and prospect for new business more? You know, one of my clients right now you know, has a 45-minute one-way commute into the job, and she's a pretty high-level salesperson. And she's figured out that if she doesn't have to go spend the 45 minutes driving in to do an hour and a half of BS meetings, that's two hours in her day she could just be out building relationships with clients, right? That, that, that she could be closing more deals, that there is a direct connection to her in terms of how much she's going to be able to produce. I've helped so many clients over the years negotiate a pay raise, but a lot of times we just go in and we're like, hey, you know, I want to make X amount of dollars more a year, but we're not really ready to explain why we've earned it or present the case. So you really have to approach this as if you were an attorney or a lawyer and build your evidence and let, your, and let your employer know there's something in it for them as well. And that brings us to the third step in this framework, which is you have to be open and malleable and flexible to alternative solutions. You know, if you walk in with a list of demands or the list of asks, look, it's very likely that the company isn't going to concede to all of them. 
So you need to know what is a win for you and what is a middle ground that you would feel good with. I used to use this all the time in contract negotiations when I was, you know, negotiating contracts with new radio stations when I was working in the media. You know, a lot of times I had a number in my head that I wanted to get paid. And surprisingly, it didn't always match up with corporate. But once we got past that impasse, one of the things that I did that was very helpful for them, and and some bosses really appreciated this, is I walked in with three alternative plans for contract terms that would be agreeable for me. And I was able to lay them all out in a document and be like, you pick which one of these you like best, and I'll sign a commitment today on it. You know, so sometimes if, you know, for instance, if I was doing a three-year contract with gradual salary increases that culminated in the third year, I might submit a solution that said, hey, just let's create the year three number in year one, And we'll just make this a flat deal across three years, and I'll sign that. And if they couldn't do it, maybe I would present an alternative that increased the bonus structure and gave me some more incentives for performance. And if they weren't cool with any of that, then I had a plan where I was like, well, I want X amount more vacation than you're putting on the table, and I'll sign these other terms. But, you know, it was giving them plenty of alternatives that genuinely felt good for me. There was nothing on that paper that I would resent if I had to agree to it. And it created a win-win for everybody and really shortened up the process. Now, you know, it's a little bit different as we're talking about the return to work. But in the back of your mind, and I don't, you know, you always start out asking for what you want. And sometimes you might get surprised and they'll just meet your demands, particularly if you're a high-value employee who's a high performer. But it, it, think in the back of your mind, what are the alternative scenarios and how can I present that? Because, you know, it is a negotiation and you're going to meet in the middle at the end of the day. Now, I will say, if you go through all the paces and you are clear on your needs and you lay out uh, all the reasons to your boss why this is going to make you a more effective employer and you present all the solutions and they tell you no, that also is just a sign that it is time to go look for something else. Maybe it is time to change jobs. But it's going to be so much more helpful for you to go through this process internally, to know what you value in the next job, what you need to succeed, not just as an employee, but also as a human and a partner and a parent in the world, you're already going to have prioritized all of these needs, and it's going to help you find something that is so much more aligned. And you'll be able to ask for what you want out of the box with the new employer. So you're setting good boundaries in that sense of being connected to yourself and being able to respectfully say, hey, this is, these are the parameters of what work for me, and this is what's going to help me show up best for you as an employee. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, you know, the biggest reason that I share these things is because I've experienced it over and over in my life back before I did my internal work. And it's the biggest trap. We think that happiness or a better life exists external to us, that it exists in the next job, that it exists in the next relationship, or if we move to a different part of the country. I did all three of those traps at different points in my life. A better life exists when you know what are the factors that are going to create a better life for you 
and you get about the business of asking for that and creating it (laughs) in your life. That's how you live in your power. That is how you can be a person who is not leaking your power in the world. So to recap, number one, you need to know your own needs. Two practices for that. You can take your complaint inventory and look holistically at all areas of your life. Uh, What are your biggest complaints? And then reverse that to identify the unmet need. Or you can try the practice of just sitting in silence. And I would do this every day for minimum 30 minutes if you can. Asking yourself in meditation, how do I feel and what do I need? Uh, Like I said, that's a tougher practice for some of you, but it is a very worthwhile one and it is such a powerful tool to reduce anxiety. From there, number two, we need to remember you have to be able to sell to your employer what's in it for them once you get clear on these changes. And number three, being malleable, flexible, and being open to alternative solutions. Here's the thing. If you're a person who grew up in a home, though, where you're not used to getting your needs met and it's not safe for you to ask for your needs, it is going to be so much more difficult for you to go through this process by yourself. Having the right support, the right coach, the right mentor in your corner, this is what I do. This is why so many of my clients right now have moved through this pandemic with with ease, with clarity, and with tremendous growth in their life. And the wins continue to pile up, by the way. I, you know, I, So many new businesses uh, have been started. So many new careers. People have pivoted within corporate into dream jobs that are aligned with their gifts. And when all that's cooking, relationships, holistically, you know, with uh, spouses, kids, everything gets better. And I have tremendous empathy for you. If you're a person who doesn't believe that this is possible for you, it's just a matter that you haven't known how up until now on how to really go through this. And having the right support in your corner that's just going to pour gasoline on this, this is just turbo fuel to help you move forward faster. So you can get information about how we can work together and go to my website. I've got one-on-one coaching programs that'll absolutely, my intention is always this. At the end of our time together, at the end of our coaching commitment, is that you look back on your life and say, I don't recognize my life from when I started. And I would put my track record on delivering that result to my clients up against any coach in the industry. So it would be an honor to serve you. CreativeSoulCoaching.net is where you go for info on that. And if this podcast serves you, it would mean the world to me if you could give us a follow on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to. Uh, If you are on Apple, would love your five-star ratings and reviews. But more importantly, just share this with the people in your life. We know that so many people are considering, is this the time that I change jobs? Should I be changing careers? You can absolutely do that, but let's make sure that we're getting your needs met in the next location. So this framework, it's very simple. It might not be easy in practice, but I promise it's going to help deliver massive results in your life. So please share this with the people in your life that matter. You can also screenshot this, upload it to Instagram or Twitter. Uh, Be sure to tag me at CSC Dan Mason. I'd love to hear your takeaways 
and aha moments. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I love you. I'll talk to you next week.